0: Phoenix FM Hi, I'm Tez Elias, you're listening to Stuart Pink on Phoenix FM Look everyone, he's coming through the doors Brilliant! He didn't even open them! He's here! Wait, wait, do a speech Hey kids, stop smogging and pay attention to me because if you're a wild eyed loner standing at the gates of oblivion, then hitch a ride with us. Because we're on the last freedom moped out of nowhere city. And we haven't even told our parents what time we'll be back. So pull on your dancing trousers and get down to the total and utter king of rock and roll. Cliff Richard! Got myself a-crying talk and sleep sleeping walk and a-living dog. Got to do my best to please Jessica. just cause she's... Satisfies my, size my, myself myself. my got soul my soul my soul It's Shut up, guys What does this button do? Take a look at her head Well, it's real,
1: And if you don't believe
0: What I say, just feel Lock up in a trunk So no big baby can steal her away from me Get down Got myself Hey, Cliff, i have just invented again. a great no. new sound. Got to do my best to please her just cause oh. she's
2: I'm told living in love. Settle down, chaps. Got
0: her over an eye and that is why she satisfies my soul. I, I got the one, one and only walking, talking, living dog. The... OK, daddy-o, uh, lay the next funky riff on me. Amen instrumental break. Just feel Gonna lock her up in a trunk It's an opaque hunk And steal away from yeah. me but I still feel that locking girls in trunk is politically unsound It's only a song ring. Well I feel sorry for the elephant yeah. Come on, guys yeah. Got go the sound you Talking Walking. Walking Letting off go. go. oh. Got to do my best to please her Just cause she's a All right, guys, harmonies now. Yeah, Yes, thanks, Cliff. Bye. Right, kids, if you don't buy this record, then you're an utter, 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 utter.
2: <laughs> Insert anything you like here. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. You should have that clip, but change the words to book. Yeah, that's true, actually. Right, kids. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mark was here. Hello, Mark. Hello. Uh, Early. Film friend, comedy compadre. Yes, yes. Uh, cinema compadre. Yes. And uh, now comedy,
1: genius. Author. Author. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So you have a new book out? I do, yeah, absolutely. About local legend Rick Mail. About local legend Rick Mail, because you know he was born down the road in Harlow. He was, um, and then moved to Worcester um, during his early years. But uh, yeah, still regarded as a, a son of Essex, shall we say? And obviously, yeah. there's a there's a great mural on the side of Harlow Playhouse uh, that a, um, a like a i don't want to say graffiti artist because he's not but uh did this in celebration of rick i mean it's a huge piece if you've never seen it you've got to go down because I, I went yeah. down to take a photo for the book uh, and i was surprised at how big it is it's about nine foot oh my gosh! yeah it's Dude. really big and yeah. i have to say it's a very well put together piece as well i mean it is absolutely rick um yeah you know, larger than life as to be expected. oh i've got to yeah. be yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly it, do it but staring out at you and whatever else you're doing the uh, the finger pose uh, he's not, no, he's no? just doing the sort of jazz hands. No, oh,
2: okay, yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, Rick's still regarded as um, somebody who's from Essex and, and much loved, not just in Essex, around the UK. Globally, is he? Yeah, absolutely. Manchester as well? Yeah, Manchester, grew, went, to, uh, yeah. went to university in Manchester, so sort of yeah. the formative years, really, for him were Manchester. Yeah. Um, yeah. More than anywhere else, because that's where he met... Uh, Adrian Edmondson and also where he met Ben Elton, Lisa Mayer. He also met the others from 20th Century Coyote as well. Um, And and that's where they started, basically. They started doing these uh, little sort of venues, I mean, you'll you'll know about it, you've played some small venues in the, in the Pubs, past. basements. Exactly, and, uh, well these were yeah. doing uh, Band on the Run, which is a really small venue at the time, and they could only do like a Thursday lunchtime, because that was the only time. Can <laughs> you imagine seeing Rick <laughs> Mayo Thursday lunchtime <laughs> doing his... <laughs> I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? But that was the only time that the management would let them on, which was Thursday lunchtime, you know, and, and it was kind yeah. of like there was nobody in as well, but they were honing their craft. That was the thing. They were yeah. getting used to each other's flows uh, and, and understanding how each other's comedy works. And then, obviously, they went on from there. They took it up to Edinburgh. And from there, they decided, uh, after they'd finished at Manchester, after Rick had finished his drama course at Manchester, they, uh, him and Aid, brought it down south. A comedy store, Comic Strip Presents, and other places, yeah. the Tram Shed as well. And that's where it sort of really kicked off for them, was when they came down to London. It was already yeah. roughly in in manchester and they'd gone to edinburgh fringe and done a um a little sketch called death on the toilet
2: (laughs) yeah i remember that bit particularly sticking out as a that is so
1: random i can just imagine them coming up with that (laughs) idea (laughs) i I think that's the beauty is that there's things in there that i discovered and i was like that I, i mean nobody else would get away with it but when you read it you're like yeah, that makes total sense that they would do something like that. <laughs> yeah. um, and it, it ultimately was what became Rick and Aid's big thing, is that it was them being larger than life and hitting each other or, you know, making jokes at each other's expense. Um, so yeah. it started very early on. It was always very slapstick, a lot of stuff I can remember. But yeah. Um, I think they had a, a, a sort of secret weapon in a lot of the politics, the lot po- of political comedic Yeah, absolutely. Come I think that was the thing, is that... Early on, certainly with the young ones, they were very political. You know, when mm. you're with Alexei Sale, how can it not be political? You know, alexis Sale is a very aggressive political comedian... Um, and Rick was political as well but you had to sort of dig for it quite a bit. I mean the new statesman apart you know because I mean that was straight down the straight down the barrel of the gun politics that yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah there was a lot of politics going on because obviously they were very much against Thatcher and everything that she was doing to the country you know the austere days of the 80s and mm. everything and, and they were turning around and making jokes at all of these expenses and a lot of people had not seen that. A lot of people had not experienced comedy like 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 that in your face, as aggressive. And the thing was, when they were first starting, um, it wasn't known as stand-up comedy because, like, you're known as a stand-up comedian, right? Yeah, yeah. That wasn't household name, mate. (laughs) 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 That wasn't an expression in the late '70s and early '80s. It just wasn't a thing. It was alternative cabaret. Yeah, they so you, changed the. So they what
2: changed.
1: That's the point. Yeah, yeah, they changed a lot of things. So you had, I, I think, there's two big movements in UK comedy, stand-up comedy or cabaret, as we should call it. You had Monty Python, yeah, who changed everything. Oh yeah, and then you had Rick and Aid and you know Nigel Planer and Jennifer Saunders, Dawn French, etc. That group changed it again. And all of a sudden we get a completely different era of comedy that nobody has ever experienced. You know, but at that time yeah. we were having you know, end of the pier comedians who were laughing and joking, you know, my mother in law jokes. And it's like, yeah, yeah that's funny. Like, and Rick and Aiden, everybody hated that. And they were like, we're not doing any of that. It's too safe. It's too boring. We're going to be completely out there. We're going to be. Anarchic. And that's the thing. What you're saying is that, you know, it was always slapstick. It was anarchic. You never knew who was going to punch you in the face.
2: Yeah. But Someone's going to hospital in so this it, episode.
1: Well, <laughs> sorry. do you know, it's funny you say that because that did happen quite a lot with <laughs> them two. Like, there was oh a God. lot of times where one of them would end up in hospital. Like, there's a very famous sequence with the Dangerous Brothers yeah. uh, from Saturday Live where uh, Rick sets AIDS trousers alight. And what happened was he was meant to um, say the safety word... And he'd forgotten the safety word. So what happens <laughs> no. in the clip, if you see the clip, the camera just stops. Like, it's, it freeze frames, and then Rick comes on to explain what happened. But basically, he'd forgotten to say the safety word. So all of a sudden, everybody had to come on and spray him down. And he oh had to go God. to the hospital to make sure that he hadn't burned himself too badly. <gasps> so there was always an element of danger with them, like real-life danger. Yeah. It's crazy.
2: Absolutely insane. Around about this time of day, on a Friday, mm-hmm. I like to do a poem. Okay, and as we are talking about the people's poet, yes, I thought we'd have Rick on. We should to do a few of his own. I love it. So stay where you are. We'll listen to that, and then we'll come back and talk some more about Rick now with Mark Zebby.
1: Phoenix ninety eight FM. This
0: is Jonathan Pye. You're listening to Stuart Pink on Phoenix FM ninety eight. FM, FM. This is Phoenix ninety
1: eight FM.
0: Pollution. All around. Sometimes up. Sometimes down. But always around. Pollution. Are you coming to my town? Or am I coming to yours? We're on different buses, pollution. No. But we're both using petrol. You're trying to be funny. Um, uh... Because if you are, I think it's in pretty poor taste, that's all. I'm not a fridge, you know. <laughs> oh, Cliff, sometimes it must be difficult not to feel as if. You really are a Cliff. When fascists keep trying to push you over it, are they the lemmings or are you Cliff? Or are you Cliff? <laughs> I feel sorry for you, you zeros. But <laughs> <laughs> you know what this? What's going to live on after you die? I'll tell you, nothing. That's what. This <laughs> oh, <it's> pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Boom. Uh, like, can you, like, actually kill yourself with laxative pills? I don't know now, but I'm gonna stay and find out. I think I'm going up to my room for a bit. <laughs> this house will become a shrine. And pants and skins and masters will all gather around and hold their hands in solemn for their fallen leader. And all the grown-ups will say, but why are the kids crying? And the kids will say, haven't you heard? people's poet is dead! And then one particularly sensitive and articulate teenager will say, Other kids, do you understand nothing? How come Rickney's dead when we still have his poems? And another kid will say...
1: <laughs> Don't look at me. I'm irrelevant.
0: Phoenix FM.
1: Oh, you can't be here, can you? <laughs> Do you know it's interesting? I was listening to that and obviously Rick was uh, the last one there where we was talking about the people's poet is dead. Yeah. It's quite poignant now. It is. It's quite poignant because he says, you know, uh how can the people's poet be dead because we still have his poems? And that's true of Rick. In yeah. that how can he be dead? We've still got the young ones bottom man down drop dead fred uh you know the, the comic strip presents all of these things that continue his legacy and then you remin- remind yourself he's dead yeah and he's been dead for nearly six years i was surprised when i read your book there it was that long ago yeah i but I, I think that's like... the thing is that yeah. you he's always all around us which he would love anyway yeah. um and it feels like he's still around I think that's yeah. the beauty of his comedy is that it's timeless. I mean, I've written in the book, certainly for Bottom, that it's timeless comedy. It, it doesn't feel like it's of a generation, it's not it's of every generation every teenager growing up is going to at some point watch a clip of bottom now on youtube rather than on bbc yeah. and go this is mad but i love it you know <laughs> smashing somebody over the head with a uh, with a frying pan or trapping their head in a fridge by the way we don't advocate those do not do those at home <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah it was just it was just crazy and i think that's what everybody loved about him
2: and it's like tom and jerry for adults in it it's just
1: yeah it kind of is it's tom it's real life tom and jerry um he had said that he'd always also said that um you know rick and aid certainly in bottom were like an old married couple to a certain degree and it's right you know you watch Bottom and you watch it as if they are an old married couple and it works so perfectly and that's in the chapter that I've written about Bottom I actually make quite a few statements about the fact that Bottom is this and it is that and it is also this you know like even there's points where you watch Bottom and they're talking about existentialism you're like hang on a second they were just smashing each other over the head (laughs) a minute ago, and then they start talking about politics which obviously going back to what we're talking about which is they were talking about the Falklands War and You don't get that in comedy. No. Who who would be brave enough to start talking about in a comedic sitcom about the Gulf War or something? I mean, it's brave. <laughs> Make that funny. Good yeah, luck. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But Rick and A did. Uh, everything that they did was funny, but underneath it had a real grounded um, sense to it. And I think that's the beauty of what they've done is that, as I said, it, it's become timeless because these problems, these issues that were happening then are still kind of happening now.
2: Yeah. So your book Comedy Genius, yeah, Rick Mal, Comedy Genius
1: by Mark Sipby. Available. Well, in all good bookstores. Right. Well, no, online, <laughs> it, it's available from all good ebook retailers uh, and if you want to buy a physical copy, uh, it's available from lulu.com because they're like a print on demand service. Um, okay. and so you order it from them it's 899 from them. Um, and it, it takes about a week at the most to come. Yeah? Yeah.
2: And about a week at the most to read.
1: <laughs> I, you know l- listen there's loads of people who've said we've devoured it over like a day and i'm like i'm really pleased thank you for buying it you know it's it's a humbling experience you have no idea how something like this is going to be treated <laughs> at all you kind of think that somebody is you think you're just writing it for yourself and then loads of people get in touch you don't yeah, know and that's the, the humbling things. thing like uh, if one person somebody said to me if one person who you don't know has gone out and purchased this book it's worth everything And to me, I've always thought that as well. And I'm like, I'm I'm truly humbled by the amount of people who have got in touch and said they love the book. I really am. Um, You know, the, the fact that it took me about two years to write. It took me about two years to track everybody down who I interviewed as well. Yeah, you had some amazing guests. You managed to get
2: get hold of people that worked with Rick and knew Rick personally.
1: I think that's what I wanted in the book was the fact that not just from my perspective as to how I see Rick's work, but I wanted information and anecdotes from people who worked with Rick as to how Rick worked as well. So, you know, talking to like Nigel Planer or Christopher Ryan or Helen Ledgerer, um, even smaller people who you wouldn't know the name, but they worked with Rick all the way through. So like, Roger Sloman who was a big comedian as well uh, he worked on The Young Ones he worked mm-hmm. on Filthy Rich and Cat Flappy, he worked on Bottom he worked on all of this stuff yeah uh, so he saw him at, at very sort close through p- the stages yeah um, you know like Carla Mendonca as well who uh, was absolutely wonderful she told loads of great stories and it turns out that her now husband They were in the same episode of Bottom, but they didn't know each other at the time. Oh, wow. Which is brilliant. (laughs) They didn't meet each other then? No, they didn't meet each other at all. But she said, every time it comes on, we go, come on, let's uh, watch Ah. the first time we were on TV ever together. So it's all of these little anecdotes that I've tried to include in the book. And also the, the last chapter, I've kind of gone... I've asked the people who I've interviewed what Rick's legacy is, because I think it's a really important question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I think... Maybe all of us have different ideas of what his legacy is.
2: Yeah, because he did so many things. I think that's the guess, thing. Yeah. Like,
1: dependent on what generation you are, depends on what you grew up with. So I grew up with Bottom, generation before me, young ones, generation after me, probably... Uh, Drop Dead Fred. No, Drop Dead Fred was my generation. That's the thing. Oh, you'd have Okay. Yeah. Um I'm before my time. <laughs> but Drop Dead Fred was a, was a failure when it came out. It was a flop, a massive flop. Really? It only found its audience when it came on VHS. Yeah. Oh. So you could be right that it actually, maybe it was the generation after me that made Drop Dead Fred this cult classic is what it is now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then you've got another generation that found, people, uh, found Rick through Man Down. Yeah. So it was continuing. Yeah. That was the thing. I mean, I ultimately think there is four generations who, who supposedly grew up with Rick Like, I grew up with Rick, you're like, no, 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 it was the generation before, and they go, no, no, it was definitely me. And I think that's the beauty of him, is that, as I said, timeless, a man who was timeless, and uh, that's what I wanted to get from asking everybody who I'd interviewed what his legacy is, because everybody's got a slightly different take on it.
2: Yeah. What did you find out about Rick behind the scenes? What was he like off camera?
1: Private. Private, man. Private, yeah. Yeah. There's nothing in the book that is scandalous, Um for his private life, because he was a very private man. He, after Rick was very good at being on yeah. when he needed to be on. And then when he was at home, he was off Yeah, and he was a family man.
2: Every comedian aspires to that. Yeah. That's the <laughs> thing.
1: I think uh, there's a lot of comedians who can't switch off Yeah, and Rick could do it instantly like, a, like a light switch basically. And I think that was the great thing is that he knew the separation very easily. Yeah. But there were times where people would go around his house and he would be on and he would be like, <laughs> come up into my naughty room <laughs> you know the typical rick thing that you would want to happen yeah, God, yeah. look at my wife's bottom <laughs> you know things like that and you're like this is exactly what i want to be honest like the yeah. stories that i've been told that i couldn't put in the book for two reasons one they were too long but two they were too rude <laughs> but those were the stories that you always want to hear when you're talking about rick Mail.
2: absolutely mark TV thank you rick Mail, comedy genius out now it is and we'll put a link on the way. Phoenix FM website as well. Thanks. You you go get it?
1: Yes. And let me know. Please, if you do buy it, please do let me know what you think to it. I loved it. Thank you. Hopefully everyone else will as well. Hope so. Stay where you are. We'll do films in a minute. <laughs> Phoenix98FM.
2: Go to phoenixfm.com and listen to online guest interviews. Check the events for your area and listen to great radio online.